Greetings, and welcome to the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. I'm Phyllis Hollis, your host. As an extension of my Instagram page, Cerebral Women, this podcast offers insights into the visual art world. I interview artists, mainly artists of color and female artists, who will freely articulate what inspires their creativity. In addition, you'll hear interesting perspectives from dedicated art professionals who work with artists and the art institutions that feature them. I'm confident that collectively, these individuals will indeed stimulate your mind as they do our eyes. Please know these interviews are conducted in my Manhattan apartment, so please forgive the background sounds of city life. Welcome to the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. In this episode, I feature artist Nicole Awai. She was born in Trinidad, educated in the United States, and she works in many media, including painting, photography, drawing, installations, ceramics, and sculpture, as well as found objects. Nicole received her BA and MFA in Multimedia Art from the University of South Florida and has been an artist-in-residence at numerous places, including the Skowhegan School of Painting and Sculpture, the Student Museum in Harlem, the John Michael Collar Center, and Hunter College. She has exhibited widely in the United States, as well as internationally, at such institutions as PS1 MoMA, the Brooklyn Museum, the Salvador Dali Museum, the Queens Museum, the Biennale of the Caribbean in Aruba, and the Busan Biennale in South Korea, to name a few. Nicole was awarded the Joan Mitchell Painter and Sculpture Grant and an Arts Matters Grant. Nicole was a critic at the Yale School of Art in the Department of Painting and Printmaking from 2009 to 2015. She is currently faculty in the Department of Art and Art History at the University of Texas at Austin. Her bio is quite impressive, and I regret providing only a glimpse into her many accomplishments. With that, I'm delighted to feature Nicole Awai on my Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. Enjoy. Nicole, thank you so much for joining me today on my Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. So let's open up with you telling us about yourself and at what point in your life did you discover your artistic passion? Um, I'm originally from Trinidad uh, and I've been, you know, but I've been living in the States most of my adult life. And um, according to my mom, uh, she said that I have been doing this since I was three years old. <laughs> so it's interesting when people ask about, you know, when did I discover my passion? I, I always knew that I was an artist. Um, so actually, I think the question became, you know, what else would I do? You know what I mean? And I think especially as um, Caribbean, West Indian woman, you know, uh, that actually became an interesting question and um, sort of like maybe you don't accept that art is a thing to do in a certain way Um, but it was always there for me I actually thought about architecture for a hot second Um, but no it's 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 art it's great it's great it's great to be able to follow your passion especially one that you had as a child 
So, so what motivates you to to create your work? You know, it's it's um it's a compulsion. You know, it's so it's so interesting when other artists, students, people, you know, talk about oh they can't find their motivation. Uh, I never think about it in that way. It's, it's this compulsion. There are times when when that compulsion is really strong, um, and I think it's triggered by. Um, things that we are just experiencing in the world and about us. I think it's an awareness that I always have. If I'm not physically making it with my hands, I'm making it in my head. You know, I'm crafting the, the, the concepts behind it. I'm playing with the language behind it. I'm, you know, I'm looking at words um, and how those definitions are expanding and how that wants to manifest itself into materiality. I don't know. It's always there. <laughs> you know, I, I don't understand how people have a hard time with the motivation. <laughs> I've always thought that was sort of odd. So uh, how does your work connect itself? Does one body of work influence the next? Yes. I, you know, it's, it's really just a continuum. The more that I do this is the more that I realize that, um, especially when, you know, something that you experienced or some artifact or something that you've had for 20 years, all of a sudden, you know, becomes relevant and something that you, oh my goodness, now I know how to use that or now I know what to do with that. So even though, you know, you can look at things and, you know, parse them out as bodies of work, you realize it's just really a continuum and it keeps going <laughs> it really does um I, you know i've been in this moment of course because there you know that um i haven't been been able to make as much you know physically but you know really reprocessing and looking at uh the work that i've made in the last few years and how everything is really more interconnected than I knew, um, and I was really um, reprocessing and looking at my show that I had late last year um, uh, called Envisioning the, the, the Liquid Land and really seeing how maybe two or three bodies of work kind of came together uh, and culminated into that body of work. So I think that's what I've been you know, really doing, um, examining how even the history of my work is is possibly going to propel it in the future. And your your work abstract, but I see figures in it from time to time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I you know I I really think as artists um, we kind of shift back and forth um, and in between all these modalities, you know. So I, I really. My mind doesn't stop and think abstraction and representation. It really doesn't. Um, actually, in a sense, it's all sort of abstract for me. Um, you know, I think the way, depending on the body of work, the things that are recognizable are actually tools to um, sort of pull the viewer in or a tool to sort of refer to the familiar to um, put them in a place of openness. 
but many times my figures actually act as sort of um, abstractions in themselves, conceptual abstractions in themselves, more than they are sort of representations. So that, for instance, um, in, um, in my drawing series, Specimens from Local Ephemera, I was often using this double-sided figure um, that actually initially kind of came from the topsy-turvy doll, which for me was something that was really unfamiliar. Um, it was something that a, a friend gave to me in the early 2000s that I had never seen before. <laughs> and I had started working on that body of work called Specimens from Local Ephemera. And that was, um, uh, the series was about this parallel world, oops, social, political, um, cultural from our world sort of uh, formed physical amalgams of things. So when, when my friend, you know, gave this doll to me, I was just like, oh my God, <laughs> it's, it's something from local ephemera, like for real, you know? Um, yeah, so in a sense, it really became this abstraction. It really became the place of like um, physical manifestations of, of tropes, you know? I mean, what, you know, it was... Um, it was an antebellum period topsy-turvy doll where there was plantation mistress on one side and, you know, mammy on the other. Um, and of course, you know, you flip the skirt and one thing is revealed and one thing is concealed. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's always been sort of themes. I work too. What, what is, what is revealed and what is concealed? What is, um, what is on the surface and what is underlying, you know? Uh, it was just like, oh my good God, you know. Um, and strange enough, it's not something that I came across even in my younger life in the Caribbean. Um, you know, uh, since then I've heard from, from friends from other islands that there are forms of that. Of course, not the same tropes, but, um, but I had never seen one from Trinidad. It was just, yeah, it, it, it was crazy. So I think when I was using that double-sided figure, it really became so symbolic of so many social tropes. I mean, you know, I think I initially used it in a way where it did refer to that whole antebellum kind of history at and that period, and that slowly morphed into more of a representation of contemporary feminism, and then morphed into this 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 abstraction that you know was just about sort of the, the idea of embodiment, but then embodiment of many ideas, if that makes sense. <laughs> it, it, it does. I, I s- sometimes struggle with understanding abstract art and the figurative is always easier for me, but I notice the figures are, are ver- it's very subtle, but uh, I, I really appreciate your work. So when you are creating work, do you, do you think about your audience? <sighs> yes, I do. Um, because it's all about connection. Why are we making art if it's not about connection? You know, I think, I think an artist is somebody who wants to share, who wants to connect. If not, you know, you could just make this in your, you know, your apartment, your, you know, whatever it is, lock yourself away and, and don't show it to anybody. But I think as, as artists, we want to share it. We want to show it. Um, so I don't understand when people are not aware of audience. For me, I'm aware that, you know, people bring their histories to what they're seeing, you know, and I feel like those histories are going to activate 
for them the art experience. Because I feel like this art is something that connects us all. Mm-hmm. Art is something that hooks us into our humanity. I have been in amazement since I was a child that something made by somebody you know, on the other side of the world, I could look at it and feel this connection, this sort of human connection and human experience. And it's in all art. It's in literature. It's in music. Right? And it's in visual art. You know, and it doesn't, you know, it's sort of this, I call it this empathetic recognition where, you know, we can connect on this human level, regardless of our backgrounds and our situations. And there's something in our history that we can bring to something that reveals that for us. So, yeah, I think being aware of audience is important. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the current movement that we're experiencing, the protests... I don't want to call it a revolution, but it feels like it. How do you feel that connects artists? How do you feel that it will impact your work? Trick question. <laughs> well, I think in a sense, you know, it's not something that can be ignored. It's in my case, as I said, you know, I think I think all of those things are underlying and always have been there to a certain degree for those who are open to accessing that. Um, You know, I'm not a political artist and I'm not, you know, throwing about slogans, et cetera. But I think all those concerns are always, probably have always been there in my work. And in the last two years, you know, people asking me to do sort of these related projects to those issues. I mean, I think it's coming from the people who, are understanding and can see that that was always there um, in my work. I think I'm in this moment of being wary of artists being given prescriptions, especially artists of color. You know, we are operating underneath enough of that nonsense as it is. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, we can. That's a whole other show you can have about you know what artists of color get accepted, what kind of work, what kind of, you know, because especially think for artists of color, you know, if your work does not fall in the box neatly, then it's, it's, it's either difficult or it's not commercially viable or whatever, you know, mountains of nonsense. And I think, (laughs) and I actually think my work has always existed in the in-between spaces doesn't fit neatly into the boxes. Um, But I think it's outside of the box that the innovation happens. So it's, it's it's a space and a place that I gladly own as an artist. So, so with that, do you feel that there is a specific definition that defines artists? I mean, artists, visual artists are all different. So you can't put anyone or a specific type of artist in a box. So the definition of an artist, is it accurate? Oh, that's always tricky. (laughs) But an artist, that's, that's always tricky. It's, you know, um, that, that goes into that saying, you know, um, you know, I know it when I see it. (laughs) (laughs) That's a hard one to sort of pin down, you know, um, but that's the thing that I'm talking about, this always wanting to pin us down to categories and especially artists of color, you know, 
we're supposed to make work that looks like this or does this or reinforces that, you know? Um, and I think here, I think being an artist is resisting those things. I think, you know, I, I, I think if we fall into that, then we start to stifle art um, and art's not going to move forward. It's in the in-between that the art moves forward and advances. Mm-hmm. That's just how it is. And that's the wonderful thing about it. And with that, do you think the, the uh, critics understand your work? It's hmm, an interesting. Um, I think some have. I think some have not. I think, you know, um, uh, those who have are probably more um, exceptional. <laughs> but, um, you know, and those who have not, oftentimes they're, they're kind of stuck in those boxes themselves. You know, um, I have, you know, last 20, 25 years, I've been able to see, you know, the, the thinking around art, contemporary art that has, you know, come from the Caribbean or, uh, or people, you know, who are, are from that region, um, you know, see that it's, there's, it's starting to expand at least the way um, some of that work is considered. But, you know, initially there's that resistance, you know, I found the expectation of what we're supposed to be making or the, you know, or wanting to compare what we're making to, you know, to, to, to other folks of color in a very fixed way. Um, or to not, you know, or to really honor what they're doing and not what, you know, folks from that region or related to that region are doing, as if they can't really have a contemporary expression, as if they can't really have sort of a expression that talks about modernity, you know, their contemporaneous life, Um, you know, that it has to always be processed through something else, you know, um, there's a thought that, oh, you know, no, oh, you're just copying everything American or you're just parroting everything European or you're, you know, there's, there's not this understanding that these folks actually have an experience of the world that is um, not just vital, but is essential as well and has always been contributing to, to art and to humanity on the whole. So early in your career, can you recall if there were any particular artists, a body of work, a sculpture that influenced you? You know, growing up in Trinidad, I, I, think, I think visually so much of that culture was an influence. And I think it's why I've always thought of myself, um, always, uh, you know, well, no, I don't resist when people call my work painting or sculpture, but I've always thought of myself as somebody beyond that in a sense. So this idea of being multimedia, I think comes from that cultural experience, you know, that, that place, you know, in a way, I mean, and it's, it has, it's good and bad in that, you know, um, artistic creativity is more fluid, you know, it doesn't really have a high and a low, you know, it, you know, it doesn't have like, you know, this hierarchy that it sort of exists here. Um, and, you know, that also could be problematic at times because, you know, it's not honoring, there's so much creativity there that's not honoring of that as something as a pursuit at times. Um, so, you know, very much that, that culture um, and um, the things around me there were, of course, an initial influence. But, you know, growing up, I was also looking at old masters' works, as we all do, um, fascinated, flipping through books, 
I think something that made an impression on me early on is that, you know, starting to understand that, you know, what the di- what was the difference between a print that I was looking at as opposed to a painting. And I know, I remember a moment of realizing, no, those are different processes. Mm-hmm. And I was really curious about that. Um, and, you know, when I, was, when I came to the States, you know, I, I really, you know, I think you look for the kindred souls, you know, the people who, who, you know, you have these ideas and you're looking for the people who have similar ideas or are in the ballpark of those ideas. So for me, it was Robert Rochenberg right off the bat because talk about understanding that, you know, sort of, um, sort of a transcendent and transcendent sort of language. Um, Linda Bengler's, uh, Jessica Stockhold talked about 3, 3D painting. And it's like, yes, yes, oh my God, yes. You know, you know, all these people who are starting to articulate, you know, these things that were the ways that I was seeing things. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's always been those people, I feel like, um, who, saw the, who saw art in a more expansive way, that did not see things so separate. You know, for me, I still think I come from painting and that painting is that contiguous language that could move and is not medium specific it's the language um so yes it was artists who who kind of, who saw that and understood that or at least i recognized that in what they were doing slightly different question what's your opinion on this focus on removing some of the monuments you know, as I said, you know, it's funny. It wasn't anything that I was thinking of specifically. But, you know, as I said, some of these questions came to me um, as projects and things that people were asking me to comment on. Um, you know, maybe it was a moment of looking at those things uh, in, in a sort of the historical totality, you know, like stopping to do that. Um, and it's a tricky thing. Um, I think I never was, I think I never was trying to give a, a specific condemnation or, or acceptance of these things. I think I'm more concerned with, you know, why this is problematic right now. It's because we've come to a head with the erasure of histories. And that really, to me, is what is important about what is going on now, recognizing right, that there's so much history that has been erased, hidden, sidelined, you know, um, and that has, been, that has been very consciously done. And I think with the removal of monuments, that conversation is being is happening and needed to happen whether they are removed or they stay um and there's lots of ideas good and not so good around how that should be done but i think it's so important that we are recognizing that there are these gaps in our history or that there are these untruths in the history and that if those things are being examined and illuminated now that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. That's a good thing. And would you agree that the artists play a, a substantial role in bringing these things to light? You know, that's another question that 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 has been plaguing me. Um, 
you know, it's funny. I was thinking the other day, you know, if you look at us as artists and the central function we play for humanity, maybe we are essential workers, but, you know, we're only essential workers in the sense of, you know, that we do have the ability when pressed and forced because, you know, as I say, once again, I, you know, I'm against sort of people, you know, categories, positions, functions for artists. Um, it's not a good thing. But when we are pressed, we are, we're able to sometimes um, create something visually or otherwise that, you know, that really is transcendent or is really the place of, becomes a place inside of reflection. Um, these are things that we can do. Um, but I don't think that these are things that have to be forced on us. I think artists will naturally respond. Um, I don't think anything that's prescribed or forced is going to create good art. Um, and I'm a little concerned with, especially younger artists, the way they're thinking about activism and how that marries with their artwork that actually in some cases is not really marrying very well um, and that their activism is important, but their activism is not necessarily art. Interesting, interesting. This has been delightful, very thought-provoking. Um, so final question, what impact do you want to have as an artist? What would you like your legacy to be? <laughs> um. I just want to make, I just want to make art that does what great art has always done to me. It's just fascinating. You know, there's those artworks we go, we go visit them in the museum, wherever, you know. Um, and to me, it seems like, you know, maybe it's every five years that I see a particular artwork. And every time I see it, I swear I see something else. Mm. I swear it's gotten even better. I swear it's touching my soul in a different way, it, you know. It, always seemed, it almost seems like the artwork is evolving with us. And I think there's something in that where I actually do believe that it is, that it is evolving. And our consideration of it is evolving as well. And that, you know, that goes so beyond even what the artist initially had thought of and planned of. And, I, you know, I find myself as an artist in those moments too. It's like, no, this thing, this thing has grown beyond me. <laughs> you know, wow. I, I just want to make work that's like that. The work that makes you just, as an artist, think, oh my God, this is amazing. I hate you, but it's because, of course, I'm so jealous that this is so fabulous, but I love it. And this is all, if I could make one thing, this has always been what I said to myself, even as a very young artist, if I could make one thing that's like that for people, oh my God, it would have been so worth it. That's a great goal to have. I live in hope. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've viewed your work and I've looked at it over and over again, and I make sure I look at it for the years to come. But it is it, your work is thought provoking. Um, thank you. But um, I hope thank it you grows with you. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yeah. No, I just look and stare. You know, it's it's complex. Your work, uh, so I enjoy it very much, and I've enjoyed our conversation. And I want to I thank you for to. your time. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Take care. Thank you for listening to Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. For additional content, please visit CerebralWomen.com 
and be sure to follow Cerebral Women on Instagram. <laughs>